I am Astara. And I'm Orion. And we are Illuminating, Illuminating Hearts. Hearts. Welcome to Bloop, a podcast capturing the sound of imagination. Join us in conversation with many beautiful collaborators on their daily journey. Dropping the pebble of the mind into the pond of the heart. Bloop. And so, you, oh, doesn't it feel good? It's all cool. I'm so excited today. We have Christina Pierce here to talk with us about spirituality and bodywork and intuitive gifts and so much more. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. <laughs> Always. Christina is amazing. I've had the privilege of knowing Christina since I moved to Omaha. We didn't know when we first met that there would be this magic in terms of we collaborate together. And so I want to share a little bit about Christina. Christina Pierce is an Isui Reiki master, a meditation facilitator, an ordained minister, and a metaphysical body worker. She is owner of Seven Rays, a healing arts studio here in Omaha. Christina's expertise as a board-certified massage therapist includes the fluid restoration of myofascial release and craniosacral therapy. Her wide range of training combined with her channeling, dowsing, and reiki brings multiple dimensions to her soulful healing sessions, evolving her practice to focus on the subtle and spiritual bodies. Christina is one of six powerful healers that comprise the Soul Council within Soul Journey, the latest healing collaborative as part of my Heartifact Archaeology ecosystem. Soul Journey dissolves the outdated belief that you have to manage your healing journey alone. The Soul Council is a diverse community of healers collaborating intimately together to help you up-level and empower your soul purpose in a transformative Soul Journey healing adventure. As a metaphysical body worker, Christina helps her clients tune into their innate abilities to heal. Through her gift of sight, she can sense how and where the client needs to unwind and release, as well as the ability to communicate with a client's subconscious and inner child. She knows we are made of stardust, residing in earthly flesh, inhabiting a world of trials and tribulations, bringing heaven to earth by simply existing. Christina is beyond grateful to help people heal and realize their highest potential. Christina, it's a joy to have you here. <laughs> thank you, and thank you for that introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. It touches my heart and hits, hits, the, hits the spot. <laughs> good, good. Loop is all about capturing the sound of imagination. And for us, when we talk to other healers and intuitives and thought leaders, we're basically working at that realm of imagination all right. the time. And yeah. you use it now with your work. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know anybody who really doesn't, but you do it on purpose. <laughs> and it magnifies everything. Yes, yeah. yes. So tell me, what does the term seven rays come from? Well, seven rays originally uh, came to me through the seven layers of the auric body, the seven chakras, and the seven archangels. I work closely with archangels. I work close with the energetic field of the body. But I also have come to realize there's so much more to it that's going to continue to reveal itself to me as time goes on. Seven is a very auspicious number and represents more than I'm even conscious of in this moment. Seven is a, my favorite number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good with that. <laughs> but I just love the... 
not maybe intended implications, but I love the implications of the rainbow in our world mm -hmm. as we become non-binary yeah. more and more. And yeah. as we open it, it's a fun way to look at that dimension of the non-binary discussion, not so much just gender and sexual preference, but that we are all this rainbow. That we are the spectrum of light. We are light and all the different facets and spectrums of it. Right? And so when people say, oh, you're this or that, you're a him or a her, you're either this camp or that camp, you're on this you know, religion or that one, it's like, oh, guys, there's this whole spectrum. Right. So that spectrum of living and healing is my value system as well. So I love where your name comes from. Thank you. How long have you known that you are an empath, an intuitive, and a healer? I've known that pretty much as long as I've existed. Um, it Really, when I came into this world and this life, uh, it's pretty much what I recall mainly is this life. <laughs> and I, I've always known that I was a bit different. I felt very connected to spirit um, without even really ever having spirit explained to me or even just the, the more um, heavenly realms and the, the angelic guidance, uh, I really kind of felt a bit confused about being here on this plane at times. And so as I progressed, I realized it was just because there was, I was a bit different. Not that I'm, I'm different or better than others because we all are just big mirrors of each other, but the way that I was perceiving and experiencing the world was different from than what I was seeing other people experience. The thing about those kinds of differences is as we evolve, we get to bump up against the discomfort of that because right. it can be very lonely. And it was, it was very lonely. Yeah. And very, uh, we can feel outside. We can mm -hmm. feel like we don't belong. And Brene Brown says this really well in her research is we're hardwired for belonging. So one of the things that can come from knowing so long that you're this intuitive, and you figured out probably as you evolved and aged, okay, this is what that means. Right. But when we're young, we don't have those tools, and we just think, oh, I don't belong. Or Yeah. What was a time in your life when you could feel a little more ease, a little less anxiety around that knowing, you know, as you've learned and you've known your whole existence. That yeah. You're... Well, I used to wonder, you know, what it would mean to not exist. And um, through that, I had my, my first out of body and I, I met one of my guides. And, um, you know, I was given the choice. I don't know how much of a choice it really was, but she was letting me think I had a choice um, on, on coming back to do this existence committing to it, you know, and, and then from that point, um, it was just, you know, in moments of being outside in the yard and on the swing in particular, there's something about that movement, that sway that would really just help me drop in and seeing the sky or my little, you know, patch of clover grass that I would be on in, in the neighborhood. And it was just kind of like my little fortress. So in that sense, it was like, I've, I've always felt connected to earth. So when I could be in nature, even as a child, um, just as much as it is now, it really helped me to like feel more connected to this life. Um, and also, um, when I would go to church as a, a young girl, because um, even when I would just sleep in the pews, there was something about people being dropped into their hearts and connecting with source in that way. 
um, that helped me to feel like I could feel spirit while I was there. You know, not to mention seeing the big statues of Mother Mary and Jesus and all of that. So oh, that's fantastic. You know, these these ways that we can navigate being kind of a little bit different mm-hmm. and then finding nature, finding arenas where you could uh, entrain with the vibration of everybody deciding, right. I'm going to connect to spirit. Yeah, I'm going to connect to each other and, and be in my heart and open up. And that know? vibrational field, you mm-hmm. could align to it and go, ah. Right. <laughs> Along your journey, I know that you went through a, a sort of a transition, and I'd love to talk about that. How did you first know that a transition needed to occur inside of your bodywork career? And then what kind of unfolded? Like what, what initiated the transition, and how did you play it out? Okay. Well, you know, the thing was, is I've always, um, the school motto when I went to massage school, it was trust the process. And so when I saw that on the, you know, on, on their plaque and it really registered to me. And, um, I've always felt very in tune with understanding there's a path and it's all going to be laid out as long as I just continue to align to it. So it was never that I was like very solid in anything I was doing because I know we're constantly evolving. The body work that I originally started with was amazing and it was I was in it and it was successful and it was flowing and it was all the things but um, I had also always had training in energy work and so while I was doing a more physical structured work there was an energetic aspect to everything I was doing you know like that empathy and that spirituality had been there my whole life Um, so when it came time for um, the shift it came by way of me wanting to kind of tuned to people in a different way, I really kind of felt called to holding people's heads. Whereas before I kind of wanted to avoid it because it would, I would tap, it would tap into me a little, you know, it would drain me just a little bit. And then all of a sudden I couldn't wait to get there and hold people because I had built my circuitry and I was ready. And so I started studying um, a bit of myofascial release with craniosacral therapy. And then by way of having that education and that knowing and also what it felt like to be in that space of holding for my clients, it just kind of got to be where that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. I wanted to, I, you know, stop doing the deeper work and get down and hold everybody. But the thing that the catalyst that made that full on shift was my body's response to doing the deep tissue You know, my spirit was already showing me what it wanted. And I had this idea of mixing all the things and and doing a bit of, you know, whatever my client wanted, but having more to offer. And then it came to my body reacting in a sense of, you know, inflammation and holding energy that I couldn't move. And so, uh, you know, I did all the things. I would massage it. I would bathe it. All the things. And it wouldn't go away. It was stuck in my, my upper back. So I sat with it and I prayed and, you know, connected to my highest self and to my guides. And I said, okay, you know, obviously I'm holding something. So show me what it is and, and I'll, I'll let it go. And I won't welcome it back within 30 seconds of being in that space. I said, I, I can't do massage anymore. And I, you know, went through all sorts of motions within that five minutes of sitting there of you know, not needing to be everything for everybody, not needing to wear so many hats, you know, just aligning to what my purpose is. And also it's time to level up. It's time to 
connect to people in a different way. It was just part of my path and what I was supposed to do. So when I stopped resisting and just went with what my heart was already desiring anyhow, um, that pain went away instantly. And I made the call the very next day to message all my clients and say, okay, we're going on a bit of a spiritual journey here. Um, you know, I, I hope you join me in this. And But this is where I'm at and this is what I need to do. There's no denying it. I have, I have a knack for um, listening to the calls, especially when it's to the level of if I continue to be in resistance, it's going to continue to, you know, disturb my, my physical vehicle or my mental and emotional. Yeah, it's powerful. I help people with my coaching work realize just how important it is to listen, but also to take action. Right. And I love that you took action the yeah. next day. It almost felt like it wasn't a choice. And that's how it goes for me. It's like, of course, there's always there's always a choice. But realistically, there is no other choice than to go with what your spirit and what you know, you know is for your highest and best good. Otherwise, I mean, you're going to end up there at some point. It's just going to take you a little bit longer and a little more struggle. So why struggle? Why not just surrender and say, okay, I trust myself. I trust my knowing and I'm going to do this. And it's going to be for the benefit of everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that story. And I, I love the fact that I got to experience you before and after. And you're such a great advocate. Because I remember when I told <laughs> you and Orion, you know, you were you were part of my big text chain. And you were just so, you were like cheering for me. It was wonderful. It was such a, a great feeling. We're like, woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the big, huge elephant topic in the room, spirituality. Mm. (laughs) And it is a, I'm actually going to be speaking on this next year, sometime mid-year. And it's a thing, you know, as I think about my talk and I love also hearing wherever people are at with their definitions. When I did sustainability back in the day as a, as an architect and a sustainable leader, people would just assume they know what something meant when it was such a big word. Mm -hmm. And I would hand out stickies and I'd say to all these, you know, 30 or 40 people in the room, write down your definition of sustainability. And you'd sticky them up on the wall and everybody Mm -hmm. could look at them and there would be 30 to 40 definitions of sustainability. Yeah. So I'm not going to make you define spirituality, but I would love to use that big gargantuan word to Mm -hmm. say, what do you feel people most misunderstand about that big word? Uh, there, I have a few um, things that I, I think that people kind of misconceive. And one is that um, not everybody's spiritual. And we're, we are all, in fact, spiritual beings. Um, and the other is that spirituality is not based in reality. When in all actuality, it is the reality, you know, Everything comes from the interconnectedness and everything comes from us tapping into our highest alignment. Um, so, I, yeah, I would say that, one, people don't believe that everybody's spiritual or they may not believe that they're spiritual and that it's not based in reality. Oh, that's, that's beautifully, beautifully said. I think that is the thing I run into again and again. And I heard this. I can't remember her name. But she said, reality is a joint venture. And I've used that in our work in Sojourn a lot. And what I love about what you're saying is it goes hand in hand with the rainbow spectrum of healing empowerment that you give people in your work is not only are you spiritual, not only is it the reality, 
but it is so beautifully big and vast and multidimensional mm-hmm. and there's room for all of us in it. Absolutely. Yeah. All of us. All of us. No matter what your spiritual background is or even what your your beliefs or identity is, you know, because ultimately we all have, you know, that same um purpose of just connecting to ourselves and therefore when we do that we're connecting to each other yeah we're being the highest vibrational aspect of that that interconnectedness on that web and then mirroring that back and forth to one another yep absolutely so I'm going to talk a little bit about soldier because it's such a powerful thing in both of our lives. Yeah. If you could share a little bit about what, what brought you to it and and why you said yes, or like, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what, what initiated you to go? Yeah. I'll go do that thing. You, (laughs) (laughs) you brought me to it. Um, And also obviously just the divinity that aligned things, you know? So, I mean, there wasn't even a question. I don't think you, I don't think I hesitated for a moment. Mm-mm. It was, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like, well, of course, why would I not? Um, the idea that we all get to come together and do this collaborative work and all in support as a team for the person who we are doing this work with is something that, um, I mean, who wouldn't want it and who wouldn't want to be a part of it? You know, really beautiful people doing really amazing work each of us having something to bring to the table that is going to fully, holistically support the client and getting to have an open dialogue with one another in what's really going on and work as a team is something, you know, as we've discussed, you don't see very often because, you know, normally it's just kept between you and, and your practitioner. Yeah. But in this way, it amplifies everything and you just happen to channel, you know, the right people for this because it's a really, really amazing team. And I just feel honored and also at home and being a part of Sojourn. Mm, that makes me so happy. I wholeheartedly mean it. It's a wonderful, <laughs> I mean, you knew what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's in that, in that higher part of me. Yes. Always, Absolutely. always. Yeah. Yes. The, the small self in me had moments of, uh, I don't know if this is okay. And then, you know, but you always have the invitation, each of us does, to get aligned with that higher knowing and purpose right. and just trust. Right. How has, you know, collaborating in Sojourn benefited your practice and maybe even your life? Well, I mean, it's definitely, it's, you know, benefits the whole system. Um it's benefited my practice by drawing new clients to me. It's also benefited my practice by getting to do this work with, with one another and be in that level of communication and just also expressing and trusting even more in what it is I am doing. Um, and not to mention getting to work with one another in trade. I mean, there's so many benefits to this. There's, there's nothing but benefits to this for everybody involved. Be getting to know this group and, and continue to grow and heal and all the things through, through this relation to one another is massive. I agree in my own version of it too. That's how it's felt for me. And, um, I've often channeled from my guides, different ways of saying this, but one of the taglines I use is the future is relational. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've always been in relationships and we'll always have relationships, but to get to this system based ecosystem aligned 
earth-supported, earth-harmonized world that we all dearly want but right. not sure how to get to. Mm -hmm. It's going to be through our intimacy, our relationships, and our collaborations. So our unity. How do you enjoy collaborating? Oh, I mean, it's just it's, it helps me to evolve more and more and a great reminder of you know, seeing the gift in other people and see, seeing the light in other people, but also in myself, you know, we're all mirrors for each other. So the, this collaboration is only building more circuitry, more energy, helping me amplify. And therefore, if, you know, if I'm aligned and being at my highest and biggest self, just by simply existing, then I'm doing that for the planet. That's how I'm of service, you know? So this collaborative work is helping me to be of even higher service. Mm. Ain't it grand? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, you know, this is for us, Orion and I are consistently watching and learning and, and being mentored by, I mean, thank God in the age of information, we're past the age of information, but you know, you can Google anything, you can watch anything on a video on streaming and mm -hmm. there's so many great things. But out of all of that across either your full existence or this lifetime, what are three most influential people in their living or dead, it could be, um, that have been impactful for you? You know, it's it's funny how I'm I'm very narrowed in, in, into the present moment. And so, you know, I, I, I have my guides and my, you know, uh, relations to some of the archangels, in particular Archangel Michael's my boyfriend. He shows up in my dreams, takes care of me. He's my protector, you know, love Mother Mary. I love all, I love all sorts of ascended masters and, and authors and, you know, beautiful, influential people. But for me in this life, I would say that one of those people has been my father. He gave me my first introduction to metaphysics when I was about 13. He gave me my first crystal, became a crystal merchant for, uh, you know, himself for just a moment there. He gave me my first, uh, yeah, he gave me my first book on Reiki. And so my dad kind of introduced, he would say to me as a little girl, you're special, babe. And I knew that he saw something and I knew that he could see that I, you know, was tapped into something that I could feel and I didn't feel other people saw yet. So he's always been a big support for me. And then he passed away 10 years ago and has been a massive advocate for all of my work and all of the growth and all of the healing ever since. Mm. I mean, an amazing advocate um, for all of that. Next would be my best friend, Pearl. And that's because she has believed in me forever. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've known her for so many lifetimes, but she calls me her rocket ship. She calls me her unicorn. <laughs> she calls me all sorts of things, her X-Men. <laughs> and so she's just always really been um, a big advocate and, and you know, a supporter of me just doing the work that I do. Um, last would be, last and, and um, probably most importantly would be my baby. I'm pregnant <laughs> and this child has a soul He's going to help me shape the rest of this life and we're going to do it as a duo. He's definitely my greatest inspiration and honestly before you know I've had the awareness of this particular child, this particular soul wanting to come through, um, I've had this desire to really clean and clear my vessel 
to be uh, as trauma-free as healed from generational cellular memory and all the things so I could be a clean and clear vessel for this lo- the life that I would bring through. Last but not least on that list. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, not least at all. No, not <laughs> What advice would you give somebody who's wanting to come forward about their gifts spiritually? We call it coming out of the spiritual closet, <laughs> or it's them getting to the place you're describing of, I've kind of always known, but maybe they haven't claimed it for themselves. Yeah. I suppose, you know, the the advice, the best advice that I can offer is just to trust your process. You know, it's the same thing that was on, you know, the, the school's motto, trust your process, trust yourself. And the more you build that relationship to self, that internal awareness and that that just turning in to listen to what it is you're holding, to what it is all your parts have to say. Mm-hmm. The more you can build that relationship, the stronger your relationship with the world will be. The stronger the, your relationship with your guidance will be. So my advice is to trust yourself, trust the process, and turn your gaze inward. Mm. Given that I just started naming my new online school that I'm going to be launching this month is Inner Space Academy. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. <laughs> you teach meditation, don't you? I do. Mm. So do you help people do more classic style of meditation or do they do they do more guided meditation with you or how does that work in your, in your training? So far it's more guided. We'll see what all comes, you know, by way of it. But um, I found myself really good at channeling meditations. So I just did a whole series for an organization. And um, the idea was for them to kind of build on themselves to help cultivate, but also, you know, to go back and, and touch on the on the core subjects of what they were the foundations of them to help build that circuitry and to help bring that awareness in and get to know it more and more and more. So I find that guided meditation is what I like to offer as of right now. But when it comes to my own meditation practice, I actually typically prefer just silence and just turning my gaze inward. But it's almost as though I feel right now that the best way for me to approach it with others is to give them tools. So that way when they do have the ability to just fully turn it inward, they know, okay, well, this is going on. So how do I move this? How do I do this? You know, like, what are my tools? Yeah. Yeah. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, anybody living or dead, anybody on the spirit realm, you could just sit down and have coffee with them. Who would it be? My answer is really simple. And it's funny because it's almost like I actually can have coffee or sit down with him regularly, but it would be my father. Oh. Yeah. You know, just one more time, a sit down conversation and everything else. Read a book together, something simple like that. But it would be my dad. My grandmothers, who I've never met that I know are some of my guides, are probably really upset by that answer in this moment. They're like, wait a minute. But it would just be my daddy. Aw. Yeah. 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 I get it. I get it. What would you like the world to look like in 50 years? You know, that's a. That's a big one because there's a lot to encompass with that question. You know, ideally, um, we would all be living in our truth and in our power. Simple as that, right? 
we'd be living in a cohesive state with one another, all dropped into our hearts, dropped into how we're caring and treating this planet, how we're, you know, building something, truly building together. Um, yeah, it, for everybody to be dropped in, living in their truth, living in alignment, having let go of identifications and ideas of, of what achievement and success really is and understanding that it really just is all about healing and loving yourself and loving each other. That would be a very different world. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be ideal. I think we'll get there someday. I think that's kind of the purpose to some extent. One way or another, we will get there. This life or another, this planet or another. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) We will. (laughs) I know it's a big question because you're pregnant and you have a little one on its way and this earth classroom is a pretty intense classroom. Just choosing it though. And I know that. I ask it because I realize it's so big Mm -hmm. and I love it because the more we can imagine together and even those listening imagine with us is a chance to start putting that up into the field so that others can pull it down and go, what if I could like redefine what success is for myself? So, uh, yeah. And you know, our future generations, our younger generations that I see now are, in my mind, in my opinion, in my perspective, so much more advanced and already doing that unifying um, energy, you know? that acceptance and reverence and respect. They're also warriors and advocates and they're beautiful. I really believe souls choose to come through. And that's the part of me that has peace in this journey right now. But the reality of it is, is we are, they are going to be handed a planet and a a society that seems to be pretty far out of alignment. But realistically, we know there's always the darkness before the dawn. So we're, we haven't, you know, given ourselves much more time with how we've treated our planet. But there is still hope. And there, there, it, that just that intentional sending it to the ether, sending that, that way of thinking and also embodying it and acting it out as best as you can. And it can make a shift in a really exponential ma- amount of time. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's um, some neat things I saw in my world in the whole architecture, ecosystem, sustainability uh, classroom. And when you look at the growth curve in nature, mm-hmm. it's just going along, going along, going along. And then it goes whoop, right at the end. Yeah. And it is both the good and the bad of the growth curves. Right. You know, it can be a growth curve on anything. <laughs> But for the positives, too, and for what I mean by positive is more what your vision was for the future, this idea of soul-aligned, authentic, empowered mm-hmm. humans on this planet, which means they're not going to be doing what we're doing right now to the right. earth. Right. So um, I love it. I once heard somebody say the most punk rock thing you can do right now is have children. And... That, and I understand that because, you know, of what we are perceiving and what we are experiencing. But real, but I, I have, um, I have faith. I have faith. Well, thanks for being a punk rocker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With a teaser to this future book of mine that's coming out um, next spring, if you could time travel, you can, uh, to any part of yourself, 
where would you go? What age is she? And what message do you have for her? A message of just maybe love, or maybe it's something else. Yeah. Well, the, the beautiful the beautiful thing about it is that we can time travel <laughs> and we do. And some, you know, if I'm referring back to the experiences that I've already had, um, I, you know, I'd call that inner child work, right? So, and I've done this, but I would do it time and time again, you know, if need be. I'd go to my 13-year-old self. Mm. Not only is that a really interesting age for children, you know, we're on on a precipice of, of big change within our bodies, within our environment, with all sorts of things. But I had a really big trauma at that age. And it took me about 15 years to realize it wasn't my fault. Mm -hmm. So I would go to my 13-year-old self, which I've done, but I would do it again and tell her, this wasn't your fault. It's powerful. Yeah, it really is. And I hope that other people can take something from that and do that work within themselves because you deserve it. Absolutely. And what's neat about 13 mm -hmm. is yeah. um, many cultures, and uh, in, in actually for, for girls in Judaism, it's 12, but for boys, it's 13 uh, to have a bar or bat mitzvah. Mm -hmm. um, the bar mitzvah is the boy, the bat mitzvah is the girl. There's, you know, different cultures in different religions where you go and you get some sort of uh, transitional phase of ritual. Mm -hmm. And it's usually around those ages, 12, right. 13. Well, and the thing is, is about this, you know, the 13 is a very feminine number, but feminine is not necessarily the, the, the you know, sexual representation. It's the intuitive representation. It's the lunar representation. It's the energetic. But 13 is a very, very auspicious feminine number. Yeah. I have all sorts of theories about 13, the 13th apostle and everything of Friday the 13th, <laughs> all the stuff at 13s. Yeah. A very a pivotal number in, in age. Well, you know what I'll do? I wrote a blog about it. So okay. I'll put a blog link in below <laughs> Have fun. and you can go read about all the 13. 13 is magical. And thank you for doing the inner child work that you've mm -hmm. done, which allows you to be the powerful healer that you are. It does. Yes. And thank you. It, it allows you to help others be empowered. Mm -hmm. And I love that about your work is you are doing energy healing work and you are a healer but you're letting people know really it's them who's doing all absolutely absolutely it's i mean i'm just a conduit you know on my um new uh signature at the end of my email says metaphysical conduit Ooh. you know yeah because i'm a conduit for the healing to come through but ultimately we're all doing our own healing work you know that's why my little motto is helping you to attune to your innate ability to heal because it's really within you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Metaphysical conduit. Right? Well, we're going to put that as the title of this <laughs> blog. <laughs> if you could be remembered for one thing in your life, what would it be? Hmm. Just right now, it might change. Yeah, well, it might change. I that That one thing is, you know, probably just to be... Uh, to, to help everybody feel more loved, love themselves a bit more, feel embraced, feel nurtured and cared for. I want to I want to just offer that to anybody I come in contact with, anybody I don't come in contact with that somehow is just touched by the work I throw out to the planet and to the ethers, um, just to help people feel 
nurtured and cared for, almost like a motherly figure. I think you're going to do very well at that. Thanks. You're already really good at that. <laughs> it makes me think of Elizabeth Gilbert's phrase in a podcast I heard a couple years ago, becoming love in the room. Yes, yes. And I just, I love that she she said, if you could imagine arena and you have one of those big t-shirt guns that you're shooting out into the into the audience <laughs> that she's like, I just picture my heart has one of those big like love guns and you're just shooting love out to everybody. I do that when I'm on the plane, when I'm on when I'm traveling. I, you know, put in my my earbuds and I, I listen to a podcast and I drop into my heart and I feel myself just emanating from it and feeding everybody on the plane. Ugh. It's like I have you all in a little container and I'm just going to fill it with love. <laughs> I love that. I had a experience years ago when I lived in Oakland and I was at the airport and it was an extension of the airport that was really dilapidated, not the most beautiful of new airports at the time. They've fixed it up since. But I had done a forgiveness meditation for almost two or three days in a row until I could get through my list. It was a long list yeah. at that time. <laughs> and I had done so much detox and forgiveness work that I just, I was like, organically, I had become love in yeah. my own room. Yeah. And so when I went to the airport, I didn't even think about what I had just done. But all of a sudden, I looked everywhere, and all I could see were heart lights inside oh, of everybody. Yeah. And I didn't know what was happening, but people were smiling at me. Nobody smiles at the Oakland Airport, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and people were letting me into lines to get in sooner. Folks were, you know, offering me things. Um, I even got a free burrito out of it. <laughs> and I'm just standing there going, what happened? And I thought, oh, I've become love for mm -hmm. a moment. So I know it's hard for us to stay there for a long time. Right. And I've been in my ups and downs of life. We all are. But I got a glimpse of what it was like to really purely be love in the room and the responses I got organically from people. Right. And I'm picturing you on that plane just beaming that into their heart lights. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love that. Now that we know about Magical You, where can folks find you online if they wanted to do a meditation class, if they want a healing session? How do they find you? Okay. My website is sevenraysstudio.com. My Instagram is sevenraysomaha, and my Facebook is sevenrayshealingarts. Wonderful. And basically, everything I have to offer is there. <laughs> And she has amazing stuff to offer. And if you want to work with her in the Soldier in Context, you can come to astarraven.love, L-O-V-E, and uh, just go to our offerings page and click on Soldier, and you will see her beautiful shining face. <laughs> and it will take you to her website. So there's lots of routes to find Christina. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> She's here, and we're so glad of it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And what we often like to remind people is they too have the power inside of them to drop the pebble of the mind into the pond of the heart. <laughs> Bloop! <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Oops, I just kicked your microphone. Sorry. <laughs> Get it, girls. Uh, get it, girls. <laughs> Babies on the way. Babies on the way. Babies on the way. Thank you for listening to Bloop. 
The Bloop Podcast is located on Omaha land. Sound engineering by Tiny Space Productions. That's me. And music by Illuminating Hearts. That's us. Your imagination is the currency of the heart. Building dreams into being. Listen to your heart. Dream. Build a wild new world with with us. us. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Do it again. Smalls.